Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review, and hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law. A personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas, Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 251, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertain people. Oh, we are going to dazzle and entertain you. We are going to have a fun conversation today. One of our longtime sponsors of the podcast, Smokey John's Barbecue. One of the brothers, the owners and operators of Smokey John's, Juan Reeves, is going to jump on with us here in a bit. And we're going to chat with him because they were recently featured on Good Morning America. They won a barbecue competition. They got flown up to New York and they competed in this national barbecue competition on Good Morning America. That's kind of died down a little bit now. So he's got some time to talk kind of all about that and everything. And it's a really interesting story. So he's going to be on with us. We've got your article about Dalton Schultz, who apparently really wants to get paid. You got an update on Marion Barber. Deshaun Watson is a creepy MF. All kinds of just different things that we're going to get into here. But before we do that, and, and I'll tell you, I told this is this is what I love about working with Greening Law. This is just my personal experience with Greening Law, Robert Greening, the Green Team. It's not always Robert Greening that I talk to. They've got a case manager and they've got some paralegals and whatnot, and they're all working for you. I had my car accident last July, coming up 11 months ago, and I've been working on some different things and doing some different things, and you know, I told you guys last time that having moved to Birmingham, I mean, it's tough. It's tough for them because they're not from Birmingham. They're not familiar with it. They're still doing all that work for me, man, and they sent me a location last time, and I was like, I don't really want to go to that one. He said, okay, well, let me try again, and he went back, found a place. He said, well, what do you think about this? Check it out. And because they want me to go get checked out a couple of other things that have been bothering me that they want to like kind of have double checked. Right. And so I looked at it and I was like, yeah, let's do that. He goes, okay, I'll take care of it. And they should be giving you a call by the end of the week. If not, let me know. And so I'll, I'll make sure that they get you done. That's the type of work that they're doing for you. And, and really like when we say that it's so that you can focus on healing and renewal, they deal with all that with the insurance companies and the scheduling and all of that crap. So really you don't have to add that to your stress plate. Yeah, and I think we've said all along that the best thing that the green team does is they handle the little things, the details, all the stuff that you either don't know that's supposed to be handled by them or that you, um, you're you not really sure how it works because they do it all the time. And for you, 
like many people, it's your it's your first time experience. And so it's good to have somebody walk that pay, walk that walk with you and show you down the pathway and do all the little stuff so that all you have to do is really make your appointments and give them whatever information that they need. Exactly. And it's very easy, very, very easy to do. All you got to do is call the number. And the number, when you call it, the consultation that you will have over the phone is absolutely free. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. You may not even need their services right now. I didn't know that I would need them one day. Right, you right. need the number. Write it down. Keep it in your car. Keep it with you so when you do need it, it's ready and you know where to go to. It's Robert Greening. Call now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. And Dallas, Texas is where we will find in the Dallas area, whether it's in Arlington for the games or in Frisco at the Star, old Dalton Schultz, the Cowboys tight end, who is going to receive, he's going to play on the franchise tag this year. And we'll get into why he's going to do that here momentarily. But Dalton Schultz, who, I don't know, maybe he believed in himself quite a bit. I remember I ripped him as a rookie. It used to drive me insane when he would get on the field because I thought he was trash. Well, he's been around. He proved himself the last couple of years when Jarwin kind of was unavailable, had an opportunity. But Dalton Schultz is a fourth-round pick who I think in his career had made like $4 million. For whatever reason, and you can't blame the player, man, Dalton Schultz, who had 78 catches for 808 yards and eight touchdowns last year. Dalton Schultz wants to take that season and turn it into his big-time payday. He wants the 40 to $50 million tight end contract, and the Cowboys aren't budging on this. And so Dalton Schultz has not been at the OTAs and these voluntary player things because he wants to get paid. And I ain't mad at him. Uh, not mad at all. He's done a really, really, really nice job the last two years. Because you said you, you didn't like him for a year. I didn't like him for two years. I thought he was trash. <laughs> all right. Straight up. Because he couldn't block. Uh, he certainly wasn't dynamic as a receiver. But he's turned into a really, really good player, man. The problem for him is, in my opinion, uh, you pay big money to difference makers and guys who are dynamic, big playmakers. Most of those guys are on the perimeter. Um, there are some tight ends who do that, like Gronk, you know, 16 catches of 20 yards or more. Even in Joku, like in Joku ain't no good, really. But you know what Njoku can do? He can get down the field, man. He had eight catches of 20 yards or more in 36 receptions. Yeah. Dalton Schultz had eight catches of 20 yards or more, but he needed 42 more catches to get it. And so my my point to why you shouldn't, why the Cowboys shouldn't even – like, unless it's a complete win for us, you're not getting a long-term deal, is, and you tell me if I'm wrong, okay? No, no, I mean, don't hold back. There's not a single solitary defense coordinator in the National Football League sitting up during the offseason worried about how to stop Dalton Schultz. No, there isn't. And the reason why is because look at who's on this offense. Right. You know, they're trying to figure out, let's make sure CeeDee Lamb don't get cranked up. Hey, be careful of Michael Gallup. If you sleep on him, he'll beat you deep, he'll beat you deep down the sideline. Don't forget about Zeke and Pollard. However they deploy them, whether it's running with Zeke, yes, people still worry about Zeke when he's healthy, or whether they're getting the ball to that little dude, uh, Pollard, and he's going crazy. Let's, let's just make sure we're aware of that. Dalton Schultz, they're not thinking about it, bro. And that's one of the reasons he's had such a good year. People are willing to let 
Dalton Schultz catch eight passes, or what he did last year a lot of times, they're willing to let him catch six for 60 every week. They don't have any problem with that because he's not going to, excuse my French, Matt, bust your ass. And NFL defensive coordinators, if you're not going to bust my ass, you can do whatever you want to do because I ain't really worried about you. Yeah, see, and here, the, the problem has become for Dallas is Schultz is trying to take this and look at it and say, okay, look, I was third amongst tight ends and receptions last year. In the NFL, he was third. I know it blows. It blew my mind when I came across that when we discussed this at the end of the year, but that's reality. Only Mark Andrews with Baltimore and Travis Kelsey in Kansas City had more receptions as a tight end than Dalton Schultz in his 78. And I think when you look at that, and, and it's, it's a feather in his hat, and then you start to look at it and you say, okay, well, there were only five tight ends that had more yards than my client last year in 2021. Mark Andrews, Jarvis right. Kelsey, Kyle Pitts, the rookie in Atlanta, George Kittle, and Dallas Goddard. Those are the only five that had more yards than Dalton Schultz. And his eight right. receiving tight ends, or, or receptions, by the way, were second. There were four guys tied with nine at the tight end possession. And so if you're the agent, you're sitting here going, hey, you know what? To be to be fair, again, third in receptions. What did I say? Sixth in yards, eighth in yards, whatever right. it was. Sixth in yards and then second in TDs. Second in TDs. So if you're the agent, you're sitting here going, okay, well, we want an average annual value that puts you in the top five because his numbers would be like that. And so you go, okay, he's not Kittle or Kelsey. And he's not Mark Andrews. Dallas Goddard. Those guys are all making $14 million or more. Is he David Njoku, who's making 13.6? Is he Jonu Smith, who's making 12.5? Is he Hunter Henry that's making 12.5? So on right. the tag, he's making less than all those guys. And if you're the agent for him, I wouldn't be surprised if you're trying to figure out a way where you can go, well, if Njoku and Jonu Smith can get 12 and a half, $13.5 my guy can be somewhere in between Njoku and Mark Andrews. Let's call it $13.8 million annually. Right, and I ain't trying to pay him that. I'm not either. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to pay him ten point nine, which is what the franchise tag is this right. year. And see, it sounds like it's, it's not that he's not a good player. He's just like, if you look at the Cowboys coming up, they got Micah Parsons, they got Trayvon Diggs, they got Gallup coming up sooner rather than later. Uh, all those cats, I mean, not Gallup, it's CD and then uh, Trayvon and then Micah Parsons. Uh, they got all those guys coming up, man. And so you just like, you don't ever want to get in a situation where somebody like Dalton's money is compromising those guys' money. Dalton Schultz right now is the sixth highest paid, has the sixth highest cap figure on the team. Is that what you want? No, it's not. It's not at all. I, because I, he doesn't feel like the sixth best player on the team. Yeah, I well, see, and, and I think that's why, like, when you start talking about the money, and I also, and maybe this is unfair to him, I feel like I'll you see. can get anybody to do what he did last year. Like, like he just benefited from some of the injuries and being in the offense, and, and Dak just, he, that guy's open. Okay, I'm, I'm not going quite that far because he had a really good season, and he made some, he made some run after the catch, and he made some nice plays. Um, and that's why I said he's a good player. This is not a knock that he's not a good player. But when you're paying dudes eight digits, you got to be more than just a good player. You got to be a difference maker. And I don't feel like he's a difference maker. No, and there, there's very few of those at tight end anymore. And those names okay. that we've talked about are Kittle, Kelsey, Goddard, and Andrews. Those dudes are like leading their team in receptions. Like they, they yeah. are the focal point 
in a lot of cases in the receiving world, you know, maybe not Dallas Goddard as much because of, of Devontae Smith now being there in Philadelphia. And obviously they made the trade to, to bring in, oh God, A.J. Brown. You know, but you look at that, even like Mike Gusecki, I would, I'd rather have Gusecki than Dalton Schultz. I, I don't know, Hunter Henry. I mean, who does New England have to throw to at wide receiver? I don't know, man. And maybe it's through no fault of his own, like I said. I, I just, I feel like Dalton Schultz doesn't do anything special that that is easier to replace. I think that's the key right there. Like you, you sit there and go, he's a fourth round tight end. He's done very well for himself. We could probably get a third round tight end, and he could do this. Yes, or even, or a second round tight end, and he could do this. Uh, especially, you know, because he's not making plays down the field. Uh, he's really kind of an average blocker. Uh, so again, it sounds like you're cutting him or taking shots at him, but you're really not. It's just the reality of the situation. He's not a guy that you want to pay that kind of big money to and be hands, you know, strapped by the cap later. It just yeah. makes no fiscal sense to put him on a five-year deal. And uh, that's what I was going to tell you, Matt. Like, this happens all the time in the NFL. Okay, check this out. And I ain't breaking no news here. Cleveland gives Njoku like the dumbass deal of the year. <laughs> no doubt, man. And now we got to react to the dumbass deal of the year. When did this just happen, Matt? When did this just happen? When Jacksonville gave Christian Kirk the dumbass deal of the year. Yep. Before Njoku. So because Jacksonville gives Christian Kirk a dumbass deal, now how many other teams had to give their guys deals because the, t the players held the leverage? Um, so whenever a team franchise passes out a dumbass deal, the, the ripple effect is, is wow. It is, and, and that's why you know some team out there may be willing to pay Dalton Schultz, but the point is, and I agree with what you're talking about, and you have to consider the contracts you have coming up of guys who are actual cornerstone pieces that you're going to have to pay. That money doesn't need to go to Dalton Schultz. You could get away with it this year of giving $11 million to Dalton right. Schultz. But that's just, uh, that's just reality of where this is going. It, it's Blake Jarwin all over, and, and I know Blake Jarwin is an undrafted free agent, but they wanted to pay him to keep him around, and I, I didn't think Blake Jarwin was all that. Now, he got right, hurt right. and injured and all that, but I, you know, Dalton Schultz, to me, I just feel like they're guys, and who knows, maybe Tyler Ferguson, their tight end they drafted this year, will end up becoming the next Dalton Schultz. I, it just, I feel like you can find this guy. This is not George Kittle. This is not Travis Kelsey. This isn't Dallas Goddard. This isn't Mark Andrews. No, it's, uh, you know, the other thing is, man, it's just that... Um it, he's good, but you got to have that extra little special special thing for uh, for a team to want to pay you. And uh, he's really good, and he's made some plays. But there's just a difference, a different level. And he hadn't hit it. Now I understand why Dalton Schultz is like, man, I don't care nothing about all that. Sure. And here's why: What happened to Blake Jarwin? Exactly. Yes. Exactly. He got hurt. Get paid. And not only did he get hurt. He got what could be a career-ending injury. He got a hip that's that's bad. And so it's easy for me to say, hey, Dalton, I bet if you play this year, especially with the receiving crew that the Cowboys have, I would bet you catch 78 passes for 800 yards and five, six, seven, eight touchdowns again this year and then go on the open market and see what you can collect. And his response is, that's cool unless I get hurt. Yeah. And it, it, to that. I, I would say, 
Uh, you're right. Again, Dalton Schultz, go get paid. Dude, go reset the market for tight ends. I just don't want the Cowboys to do it for you. No. I, I, I just don't. And, and it, I said Tyler Ferguson. I meant Jake Ferguson's the tight end they drafted in the fourth round this year. Tyler is, is the name of the first round pick. I combined two right. guys. But, yeah. you know, you, you, you don't know. You, you, have, you have rookie Jake Ferguson, fourth rounder, with franchise tag Dalton Schultz. See what Ferguson's right. got, and maybe next year you move on, and, and Ferguson becomes your new Schultz for three years. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's what the draft is for, and I think that's uh, that's not a bad approach. And uh, you know, we'll just we'll just see. But his best move is to go have a great year and go say, "I'm going to go get paid by somebody, be it here, be it elsewhere." But I'm yeah. about to go get paid. Not in Dallas, let's hope. At least I do. The other thing with the Cowboys, and this is information about Marion Barber that has kind of become more to the light in the last couple of days, but Marion Barber, who apparently we now know was found, his body was found discovered beneath a running shower. It is believed to have been there for days based on the decomposition of the body when he was discovered. So, you know, very, very sad with Marion Barber as these details continue to kind of come out on what happened. Because again, talking about a guy who was in his late thirties, you, you just, you just don't expect this. No. And uh, I know there's a lot of speculation about uh, suicide because of the mental issues he was having. And I think I told y'all last time we talked, like there was really no need to speculate because the autopsy and all this stuff would reveal it soon and so there was really no need to speculate uh, what happened to him but uh, I was talking to somebody uh, yesterday who had uh, knowledge of what was going on but but didn't wasn't uh, didn't have permission to speak uh, on it publicly and he was like um, number one they found him in the shower and number two uh, he said that the tox reported showed that he had no substances in his body uh, other than what was supposed to be there. And, you know, his father in a story, I believe, Clancy Hill Jr. wrote, said that the, the medical examiner told him there's no trauma to the head or anywhere else. And so uh, the guy I was talking to said yesterday said, uh, it's probably going to be ruled natural causes. And at the moment he said that, I said, wow, that's even sadder. And he looked at me and said, what do you mean? And I was like, dude, it's one thing if you kill yourself. It's something else if you die of natural causes at 38. Yeah. Nobody thinks that you're going to die of natural causes at 38. No, no, you not at all. Not at all, man. And that's, you know, apparently there were some questions, you know, did CTE have something to do with this? But it was in his will that he didn't want his brain donated. And also they're saying the medical examiner, because of the body, that it probably wouldn't have been able to have happened anyway and they don't seem to have known like how long he might have been there. I mean, it was at least a few days. And the only right. reason they discovered it was because a neighbor was complaining of, of water leaking. So they went to his apartment to do a wellness check and there's just water everywhere because the shower had been running nonstop for days. Yeah. And that's why, they, they, you know, I mean, heck, we sit in a bathtub for 30 minutes and you get yeah. your fingers start to prune up. So imagine if you just under that steady stream of a shower, uh, whether it was hot or whether it was cold for multiple days, you know, 72 hours, 96 hours, you know, just imagine what condition the body would be in. Yeah, sure. There's no way that the hot water was still running, surely. I guess not. But then again, if it's in an apartment, no, because if it's in an apartment, each unit has its own hot water heater. Oh, okay, see. Yeah, and yeah. So, but then again, I mean, I don't have any idea his financial situation. Maybe he lived in an incredible apartment and they had like endless hot water heaters, and then everybody else was trying to take a shower and they didn't have any hot water. Like, what's going on? 
I mean, yeah. that, I don't know. I mean, that, that's that's one of those wild things to me with the water running like that. I just wonder, like, and, and especially now that I know that it's an apartment, I don't know. It just seems like something would have been like, hey, uh, the water in this apartment's been running nonstop for a couple of days. And, yeah, you know, the other part of this is that, uh, you know, a lot of players have been like, hey, the Cowboys should have done more to reach out to Marion. And, yeah. you know, uh, it, it, and, you know, I was talking to a, a person who's, been a uh, psychologist, psychiatrist uh, with NFL and NBA teams for more than 20 years the other day. And I was like, uh, how come they won't get help? Pride, ego, is it the same thing? And uh, this person said it's an admission that something is wrong and they have to give in. For some, the illness or disease is too severe to engage in rational thinking, you know, whether it's CTE or dementia. Um she says, I just pray that uh, his family and teammates will remember him for the man they knew him to be before his illness consumed his mind. Uh, that man was his true legacy. Uh, you know, so it's a, it's really a sad thing because I've got a couple of, uh, I know, let me see how do I want to say this. I know a couple of people, that's all I'm going to say, who are dealing with real mental issues. Yeah. And bro, they won't take their medicine because they don't like how they feel when they're on their medicine. And so if you don't like how you feel when you're on your medicine, cause it makes you sluggish and mm -hmm. all this other stuff, you stop taking it. But then bro, you start wilding out. I mean, it's, it's just a never ending cycle. That's uh, that's incredibly difficult for those people to uh, matter of fact, I'm going to send you, you know, Matt, Matt's probably like, you know, it's become a habit. Uh, I'm sending you some pictures of a guy, man. And you <laughs> You're just going to be like, oh, my. <laughs> and this is a young man who is just, I'm seeing if I can find him, because uh, I saw him the other day. Uh, and he's just declined. And uh, you just hope that, you know, he's still young, so there's, yeah. there's still hope. Uh, you just hope that he can get better. Yeah, that's the thing is you're always hoping that people can find the help they need. And that they can, one, seek the help, find the help, that it works, that they can get that help. And you just never know. It's unfortunate. All that is very unfortunate. And, and this whole thing with Marion Barber is just, it's wild and, and uh, just very sad. Okay, here, I just found them. Okay. You take, you take a look at those. Yeah, send them over. <laughs> Live coverage of Jacques texting photos to me. Hey, I do this on a regular basis. <laughs> it's true, you do. I texted the you a photo yesterday of my of the wall of Waterloo that I discovered at Whole Foods. Yeah, man, because summer berry flavor is out, and it's very hard to get a hold of, and we ended up buying a ton of them because we love them. All right, so this should be pretty cool because we have a chance now, and all of you know that listen to the podcast, we've been talking about Smokey John's Barbecue for a long time and, and how awesome those guys are. It's two brothers that run it. It's been family-owned and operated for many, many years. And one of those brothers, Juan Reeves, joins us now here on the podcast. And we wanted to have you on because this was about a month ago or so where you guys had appeared on Good Morning America and it was Smokey John's against Pecan Lodge and, and like Dak Prescott. And, and I know Joe Trahan and Troy were there and all these guys. And it was a barbecue competition. So kind of tell us how that all came together and, and, and how you came to be one of the two places that they even chose. Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, that's a great question, how we were chosen, because we literally just got a phone call. One of my managers got the call, and she was like, 
um, can you hold please? And she's like, I think you need to take this call. I think it's Good Morning America. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. So I get on the phone with the young lady from Good Morning America. She was like, we're looking at doing this competition. It's uh, May is National Barbecue Month, which we knew that, obviously. And uh, she's like, we're going to be doing this competition in four cities. And we're looking at you guys as one of the participants. They wouldn't tell us who the other participant was until, mm. well, I guess we, we agreed. They, they asked us a few questions, and we kind of went through all the little protocols. And uh, once they said, okay, you're our, you're, we're, we're selecting you, uh, you and your brother, then at that point, they wouldn't tell us who was going to be in it. And they kind of told us, hey, you know, what, what would you want to cook? And we're like, uh, I don't know. Like, what, what is, <laughs> how, we, didn't, we didn't have a clue of what we were doing. And uh, I think it was one of the – I, I like to tell people this. It was a, definitely a made-for-TV competition, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the uh, the guys, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, and, and Brady playing golf against the other guys. It's like it was – not that they weren't really playing golf, but it's like the, how they picked us was somewhat random to, to, to us anyway. Um, you know, maybe it's because we've done a lot of stuff and we've been in the media before and they felt comfortable with us. I, I have no idea. But, um, you know, when, when Good Morning America calls, you don't like give them the third degree of why you select. <laughs> yeah, <them>. exactly. <laughs> Pretty awesome. So, yeah. yeah, it was cool. So we, uh, you know, I told Brent and we we're like, uh, what is going on, bro? We just finished the national show that was on A and E and now we got good morning America calling us. Like we didn't do, we didn't do anything to pursue this. And, and Jacques knows, uh, you guys both know, but Jacques commented on the fact that um, we do our best to get as much free publicity as possible. So uh, <laughs> the fact that we were getting it on a national scale, uh, it was, it was pretty cool. What were your emotions uh, going up to uh, New York and getting ready to, to uh, prepare for the con- competition? Well, let me start with this. First of all, we didn't expect it. Once we found out it was Pecan Lodge, we thought we were set up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, see, I did. Yeah, well, just because of a popularity thing, I saw that too, and I was like, well, obviously they would pick Pecan Lodge. Like any any tourist in the country that comes here is like, oh, I heard Pecan Lodge was really good. Yeah, yeah number one tourist barbecue destination in Dallas is Pecan Lodge and and to their credit they've earned that that's not you know it's not a fluke in terms of they've done a really good job of marketing themselves and, and, and really creating a great product and everything so yeah first we, were set, we thought it was a setup so what, by the time we got to New York part it was kind of like we're getting to be on we're going to be first of all we had a crazy week right so they they pick us up on on you know we're, we, our broadcast our show's on Monday Monday, the, the business was kind of, it was kind of steady, just normal Monday, which is usually a slower day of the week, slowest day of the week. Tuesday picks up. By Wednesday, we're lines out the door. We're selling out of all the meat. Thursday, same thing. Friday's crazy. And then Saturday, we're going to the, we're, my Brent and I are going to New York. Our managers are like, they don't know what's going to happen. We had a couple of events going on as well. So it was crazy. So getting, just getting to New York. Uh, the week leading up to it was was gr- tremendous business for the restaurant, and I was under the impression no one watched broadcast TV anymore; it was all streaming. And I'm <laughs> I'm completely wrong because we were we were literally lines out the door. People were uh, trying to get pounds upon pounds, and there's a lot of folks coming in. I always knew y'all were better. I'm like, well, we didn't say we were better. We just happened to win this competition or whatever. So going to New York, it was kind of like, you know. It was kind of like gravy, right? If we already got the the the, the main dish, and they just throw a little gravy on it for a little effect, because New York is New York. We love New York. My brother and I had not been there together. Um, uh, we've only been there together once, and that was with our dad in 2018. You know, the year before he passed away, he was like, "Hey guys, let's do a guys trip." So we went up to New York. So we were really excited to go back. And this time, we we're bringing our wives. 
And uh, so it was cool. It was like, but we weren't really worried about it. I was like, DC. Well, I mean, what do they know about barbecue? Um, Chicago. I'm thinking deep dish pizza. Uh, Tampa Bay. I've never even eaten in Tampa. I just used the airport once, so I, I had no way. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that's really interesting, man. So, the, so the other three th- cities were DC, Tampa, and Chicago, and then you guys from Dallas, and those were the four that actually competed in New York. Then, right? Yeah, I don't. I, you know, again, when 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 they call you and they ask you to come, you go, right? You don't. And we're not the status where we get to ask all the questions. But I was, you know, I, I think if you look at it, they're all NFC um, football teams. Uh, football market. So I don't know if that had something to do with it. Um, the one in Dallas was the first time Troy and Joe Buck um, it were nationally you know, on air together as the new Monday night team. They had Joe Trahan and and Dak. So it was clearly that that you know our episode was really about kind of launching that platform of the Monday night squad and just kind of introducing them to America on you know in conjunction with ABC and and, and ESPN. I don't know. I didn't. I, I recorded the other other ones, but we were, you know, honestly, we were so busy. I didn't have time to watch the other competitions. So I don't know if they gave any context or any background as to how they picked those four cities. But it looked to me like there are football football markets on, you know, NFC football markets. How did you determine what to cook? That was hard. Well, in Dallas, we determined it because we were going to do ribs, and we were actually going to do ribs and chicken wings, and then maybe one of our sides like mac and cheese or something. Well, they were like, well, uh, finally they told us who the, this is like the, you know, maybe the Wednesday before we're going to be on on Monday. And they were like, well, the other guys are going to do a sandwich. And we're like, can we find out who they are? And they were like, well, it's Pecan Lodge. Like, okay. So we, we, we were like, well, they're going to do a sandwich. Well, she's like, can you make a rib sandwich? I'm like, we can make a rib sandwich, but you don't eat a rib sandwich like a sandwich because it's not a McRib. It's actually real meat and it's got a bone. So she was like, well... <laughs> That's awesome. He was like, well, I don't know. I was like, listen, let me uh, talk to my brother. Um, We'll let us look. We, we have a, we have a sandwich that we can use. We can enter that we'd be comfortable with. Let us have a talk. So we got off the phone and we obviously go to the uh, Pecan Lodge's menu. And cause I've never heard of people ordering sandwiches there. You know, it's it's more that Texas, you're ordering by the pound or you just ordering by the ice or whatever. So um, once we, saw that they did have this one kind of mega sandwich with a bunch of stuff on it well we have a sandwich like that too when we did the show restaurant recovery back during the pandemic um uh, with uh, todd graves from raising canes he they, their team created a menu item for us called the big john which we had a big john but they kind of upgraded the new version of the big john so we were like you know what Todd was great to us let's give a nod to him and we'll do that big john sandwich as our competition sandwich against pecan lodge so once we did that, that that's kind of what, so that way it was, it was kind of a fair, you know, it was equal ground, equal footing, so to speak. And then, but the one thing we did do that was a little different is we had the sandwich and we decided we needed to garnish it with a rib. What, what the hell is on the big John? So it's like, uh, our sausage brisket, uh, coleslaw, and then we, uh, top it with an onion ring and then drizzle it with barbecue sauce. So it's, it's a, it's a lot going on. And we make our, like, for us, we like make everything pretty much from scratch. So like the, the coleslaw dressing, we literally make that. And um, obviously it's our barbecue sauce. And then, you know, so it's kind of like, we're, we were comfortable with it because that's all stuff that people really like that we do well. So we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll do a sandwich. And, and that's, you know, it, was, it went over well. It's a big sandwich, a lot to handle in one bite. And, uh, and then 
the rib thing was just because we wanted to get our ribs in there because we think they're good and um, they, they usually go over pretty well. We've been serving them at the – they did some guest chefing at the Mav games and uh, the wings and the ribs were just – you know, people were just going nuts over them. So we thought if we can work a rib in, that can't hurt us. Makes the rib and the wings special without giving away your secret recipe. I mean, it's, it's honestly it's two things. It's one, it's the rub. I mean, the rub that we sell that you guys talk about online, that's the exact same – um, rub that we use on our wings and our ribs and then you know it's just a matter of how you cook i mean we we use rotisserie smokers so there, there's an advantage in that because you're you're getting that circulation and it helps you get the even heat and uh, so that's that's probably part of it and we use that for for all of our meats it's a little bit different from the inline uh offset smokers it's still offset but it's just you get the factor of the rotation and that's that takes some of the work off so maybe some people think that's not real barbecue cooking if you read um uh, once we were written up as one of the best barbecue places that uses that kind of smoker, but you know we're 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 home style cooking. We're all out of stuff, so we don't. You know, we, we're very proud of our barbecue. We think we do a great job, but we're not uh, limited to how we do it in terms of the smoking, the equipment, and all that. So I think I think it has a rub in our in our in our system. Yeah, I mean, you guys do have great barbecue, but once you got up to New York and you're competing against the other ones, like, I never saw anything, like, what what happened? I mean, how, I have a hard time believing that those three other locations, like you were talking about, legitimately have better barbecue than what you guys are doing. All right, so I appreciate that, and I can honestly say you're probably right, um, but we did not win. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we didn't deserve to win, and I'll tell you why. Whoa, so, yeah, tell us no. why, because I don't believe it. Yeah, here's the deal. This is, the this is number one here. No, no, this is this is. Hey, are you like to say you're a realist or a pragmatist? And stuff? I, I think yeah, I fall. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, if I deserve to win, I'd say I think we got. Well, I'll tell you when we were at Pecan Lodge and they were doing the show rehearsal for the for the our show. I thought we were set up. I thought they brought us over there <laughs> to be the nice guys. We gave them a shot, and then they lost because it was at their place. We shot right. at their whole thing. Like on all the other ones, they some they had to get locations and everything. We're in Pecan Large Lodge's balcony, or you know their little uh, lounge outdoor outdoor yeah. area, area, and we lost. I mean, we won, and I thought I thought that was to take somebody to lose. So so when we go to New York, keep in mind we we were on Monday, so we were the first ones. So we got the benefit of all week of the traffic of the people being excited, which also put us in a in a you know we had we had a bunch of catering already scheduled. So between our catering and the uptick in our business, we could barely keep meat on the sh- on the in the cooler. We we were running out of everything before the end of the day, like before it's time to close. So we were like, I asked Brent, and we talked about it. We we're like, hey, do you want to do something different? Because they kept asking us, if you win, what are you going to do in New York? And we're like, well, if we win with the sandwich, why do we need to do something different? We didn't understand the competition, right? Well. Right. The other guy, the guy who won, he did a sandwich in D.C. When he got to New York, he did ribs, did his mac and cheese, and this like uh, roasted corn salad. Well, uh, us, we were again, we we're first in the week. They were giving us all these instructions. If you're gonna ship the food, here's where it's gonna go. Get it to the, the their kitchen chef. The chef, the kitchen's gonna be small, so we're gonna be. You know, you can't get in there, so you're gonna have to give a lot of instructions to their team. They're gonna do it. So, of course, you know, Brent and I, rule followers, we did everything they asked. Well, that's number one. So, one, we didn't change our menu. We stuck with the sandwich. Two, we, we got everything. So, we got some food. Uh, we shipped it out, like, Friday to arrive Saturday. And then 
we'd go up on Saturday, but we didn't have to go to the kitchen or anything. We don't see our food again until Monday. Well, the other guy, he didn't ship his food. He lives in D.C. He drove up and he carried it. He didn't freeze it, kept it fresh. So it was like, okay, that, there's a little bit of advantage. Number two, he didn't do a sandwich. He did a sandwich in the competition, but he did a full full plate for the competition for for New York. Well, think about it. If I, I I'm proud of our sandwich. It's a good sandwich. Um, you know, Joe Trahan loved it. Dak loved it. Uh, all the people in the audience loved it. But here's what happens: if I sit you and tell me, you guys, if you put a rack of ribs in front of you and a sandwich. It's just in terms of interpreting the barbecue, the ribs are going to be, you're going to get the smoke, but you're going to get everything in that. The sandwich is good, but it's not the same thing. So our mistake was doing a sandwich. So that's why I say his ribs were good. They were good. Right. Now, here's the thing. Here's the rub, as they say, right? So the show's over. They won. This guy wins. There's three other, uh, you know, losers. Well, although here's the deal. He doesn't see it. So there were four judges. It was a, uh, uh, a couple of chefs, um, uh, Joe, uh, Sam Champion, who used to be on uh, Good Morning America, mm-hmm. and uh, what's the guy pitched for the Yankees? He's like six eight. He had a lot, lost a lot of weight. CC uh, uh, Sabathia. CC Sabathia. So he's the other judge. So the first three go, and they're like, "We like the guy from DC." They all pick the guy from DC. Sam Champion goes, "Well, I thought that guy was great, but this sandwich is amazing." And so we got out of everybody. It was four votes. We got three. The other guy got well, – well, they got three. We got one. Well, at the end, when we were cleaning up and we were tasting each other's food downstairs in the kitchen, one of the other guys tasted our brisket and was like, oh, my God. And he gave some to his wife, and she goes, why didn't you put this just by itself? You would have won. <laughs> That's it amazing. Was, so, I was like, uh, we didn't know. We were so busy. We weren't thinking about – how do we win the competition? And that's why I said the other guy won. He played the game better. He figured it out. He didn't have to freeze his food. Yeah. He brought it, presented a nice plate. Our plate was fine. Um, they liked the idea that we garnished with a rib. They thought that was funny. But at the end of the day, I felt like he, he presented a better plate for competition. That said, um, when we were leaving, that, that couple and the other, the other uh, one of the other contest- contestants, they were literally – taking hunks of biscuit and eating it in the elevator at ABC. <laughs> they were like, you got just, them folks cracked out on the barbecue, man. <laughs> and they're, and they're barbecue people. It was hilarious. But yeah, so it, it was a lot of fun. Um, Robin Roberts was awesome. Um, I forget the other guest chef. He is Richard something. He was really, really cool. And then Sam champion, even before he liked our food, he was just really, really friendly, really nice. And uh, yeah, so it was a great, it was a great experience. It was cool to go up there. And, and honestly, you know, obviously it would have been great to win 10 grand because that's what the guy won. But we were like, you know, we got tons of exposure. We, we got more than 10 grand worth of exposure. And then on top of that, we, I don't know anything about this guy. He could have really needed it. Not that we couldn't have used it, but he might have needed it in a way that we did it. So at the end of the day, we were very happy. We got a vote. So we weren't, you know, we were second at least. We could claim that. And, you know, we, we took our wives to New York. We went to see a show with uh, Hugh Jackman. We saw The Music Man. So we had a good time. It was a good trip. Well, that's really awesome, man. And that, that is kind of wild that, you know, I didn't even think about that with DC being so close. That dude's like, well, I'm not freezing mine. I'm just going to drive it up fresh and, and it's ribs. And I don't know. I always wonder about TV shows and stuff like that because, and obviously you've had experience with that. And, and Jacques and I in the past have talked to different people who have done things like this, but 
it's always, I mean, they want it to be presented on television a certain way and all the things that go behind the scenes. A lot of the times when you find out how it really was behind the scenes and, and, and how it goes, it's, it's always, I think it's very interesting kind of what we consume on television, how different it actually is going through it in real life. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. In fact, for this particular thing was, was more, uh, they're all made for TV, right? But like, so now we've been on, like Brent was on Guys Grocery Games. We've been on two or three shows together where we've competed. This was the least of a competition of anything we've ever done. Because uh, it, the guy, like he made his mac and cheese while he was there. He made his little salad while he was there. We, sh- we shipped everything. So they just heated our stuff for us because that's what they, so we didn't, we didn't really cultivate anything other than building the sandwich itself. So it was kind of one of those things where he, he stayed hands-on with his product. And we did it, and that also is going to give you a little bit of an advantage. Um, but you know, feel like looks like you said it, it was. This was made for TV. If you're doing a true competition, you can't pick two, two, two restaurants in, in a city like Dallas. You'd have to put, you know, you, you'd have to do like a, a, a at least sixteen bracket, sixteen seed bracket or something to really figure out the best barbecue in Dallas. So the Duke, you just randomly pick two. You pick the most popular one, and you pick. The other guys, I don't know how they picked us, but we're happy to, you know, they did. They, they yeah. did. It wasn't. It wasn't truly like when we were on the other shows. Like they made when they like we were doing this one show where we had to make dishes with. Uh, we were doing it was like bacon was the star of the dish or had to be a part of the dish, and they wanted us to make a kids version and they wanted us to make a an elevated adult version. And then like 15 minutes into doing that, they're like, okay, and now you've got to make a dessert with bacon. That was real. Like they mm. stopped us. They stopped the clock and they told us that, but then we went right back to work. Like that was legit. Like in terms of, they really did surprise us. We didn't know from the beginning and we had to figure it out in a very short window of time, how, what we were going to do. So like this show was nothing like that. It was like, okay, get ready for this shot. We're going to do this shot. It was, it was made for TV. So, but they did give away 10 grand. So that was real. Yeah, I bet it was, man. That's awesome, though. And like you said, I mean, great exposure for Smokey John's, which, and I know Jacques and I are biased, but, I mean, we we really do love your barbecue. Like, we talk about on the podcast all the time. I mean, it's not even just the barbecue. Like, y'all's catfish is is so good, and there's just different things that you do where it feels like, unlike other places, I don't have to say, hey, make sure if you're going to get something, get the ribs or get the brisket. You guys do such a a wide variety where everything that you do is just really good, it feels like to me anyway. Yeah, I appreciate that. We we take pride. I mean, it's it's a little different too, right? Like it's me and my brother and our team members are like family members. A lot of them have been with us a while or a lot of them are in their second or third opportunity in life and they just, you know, we try to build that family vibe. So we take a lot of pride in what we do. And, you know, if we don't do something well, we'll take it off the menu or we just won't do it. Or we'll tell people, hey, that's not our thing. But you know, we, we try to stick with things that we can do well and, and that we can be proud of. And, you know, so you're right. When you come in, if you, if you want to go, uh, to me, that's a good sign of a restaurant. If I, if my wife is one of those people. We go to a restaurant, she orders the same thing from that place almost every time. I go to a restaurant, if I like it and they have other things on the menu that look interesting, I get excited because I'm like, okay. If they did this well, let's see what they do with this. And then you go on and you keep trying stuff. And I think we're one of those places where if you find that, hey, I'm just not feeling barbecue today, well, let's get some catfish. Or, you know, if it's a if it's a Tuesday, let's get some beef tips and rice or whatever, and you can feel pretty good that it's going to be going to be great. Okay, I got two questions, Doc. Number one, what the hell dessert did you make with bacon? <laughs> okay. And, and then number two is, I'm just curious, what did you guys put out there that you go, you know what? Ah, uh, we could do better. 
we had a, a special, a couple of specials that we used to do some pork short ribs, and I, they weren't going well, and we weren't doing them. We can do them better, but the, the person that was in charge of them wasn't following the menu, so we pulled them until um, we got it right. And now we do it. We have we do it as a special on on Saturday sometimes. But yeah, pork short ribs were good, but they weren't right. They just weren't kicking. And if, you know, if it's not kicking, you don't want it. You don't want to have that one time where everything else is good, but that, you know, so we just pulled it. Um, and bacon. Right. So we're sitting there. This is a show we're on called Family Restaurant Rivals. Um, Valerie Bertinelli was the host, by the way. And I will say she's beautiful still in person. And uh, I was, that was, that was like, I was probably the only one old enough to appreciate who she was on our team. My brother didn't really remember who she was and my sister. But uh, yeah, so we, we did uh, chocolate covered bacon. And yeah. <laughs> that sounds interesting. We fried it. We fried it, dipped in yeah. uh, my sister chocolate sauce, and then we sprinkled a little bit of cinnamon, and we served it with uh, like fruit, like berries. So it's like this chocolate bacon berries dish, and uh, that was actually probably what put us over the top to win because uh, I think we that and the fact that it was just kind of creative because we were against this Italian family. And it was three guys. They owned this amazing restaurant up in, I think, like New Hampshire or something. And they, they what everything they made was stuff that they already make. And oh, so, who were the three of the things that we made? We never made before. We were just coming off the, you know, just hey, what do you want us to do? All right, let's do what we can do. So I think that gave us a little bit of advantage because it wasn't like in our wheelhouse of just something, you know, automatic that was a little more creativity. But then the, the bacon. One of the judges uh, really like dug it. Like Alex Warner Shelley from uh, from uh, Food Network, she was one of the judges. And uh, what's the other lady? Another one of the like all the, all those people. All, all three of our judges were, were pretty pretty well known. So pretty cool. Uh, how'd you come up with the bacon idea? You and Brent on the gun. How did you decide that was the right way to go? Okay, well Brent was working on our elevated dish. He was doing this. Uh, he did a, a bacon, a salmon wrapped, you know, sam, bacon wrapped around salmon on a kebab that he was made. He made a Verblanc sauce, So he was totally focused on making that. I was doing uh, like a, a like a, a a bacon burger slider for kids, and my sister was working on, some, or she was helping me or helping Brent. So my sister and I actually came up with it. It was my idea to do the, I. I had been looking in the, they had a pantry and I was looking around in the pantry and I knew for some reason I had this feeling we might have to come up with something with, with a dessert. So I was like, I wonder if we can, and I'd never done it before. But I'm like, you like, you know, you like chocolate with like uh sea salt and that's always you know, kind of people like that flavor. So I'm like bacon, you kind of draft that salt flavor from the bacon. I thought they might marry pretty well. And then the cinnamon, my wife's Hispanic and I learned about like, Sometimes they'll do chocolate with cinnamon that was like in the cocoa. And so I'm like, you know, that'll add a little, little depth of flavor. And then we'll just bring the berries in for freshness. Damn. That <laughs> sounds good to me. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I'm, try, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to ask Juan to give me some. <laughs> well, I have uh, to. Uh, maybe for Father's job. Day. Maybe for Father's Day, you'll make some for yourself. And I just swing by the crib and pick some up. I'm just saying. I mean, you know. I'm just you know saying. What? We got we got some neat. You know, we always do the, the state fair thing. Uh, we got some new stuff uh, coming up for. We just entered. We just submitted. I can't talk about it, but we just submitted our entries for this year's state fair competition. So 
maybe after you hear what some of those are, that might they might sound better than the bacon. I don't know, man. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know, man. I'm a bacon dude, man. Well, give me a couple of days heads up, and I'll uh, I'll I'll get it going. I'll get it going for you. My man. That's why I love this guy. <laughs> All right, Juan, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking some time to chat with us, and, and it's awesome hearing about all that, and, and I'm sure that you'll see. I'll be in town, actually, coming up here in the next week or so, so I'll have to swing by and, and grab a jam session bowl from you guys. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, and thank you guys for everything you do, all the kind words you say, and uh, you know I listen pretty much every episode, and uh, I got some folks listening, and they're really geared up for uh, – I probably probably added a few folks to the listening during football season, and they're they're looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, you got to come get your jam session bowl because these it's we have employees that order it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, baby. They to the podcast, but they're like, "What's that thing we're doing? The jam session from the radio thing?" And I'm like, "Yeah, she goes, I want one of those. How much is that?" So it's like, cause, yeah. like, because it's not so they don't they don't know how much it costs. But, yeah. yeah, they're. It's, yeah, but you're it's 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 funny and they'll and they'll like eat part of it like yeah as I say it's, it's it's been about a handful of, of people that I've seen eat the whole thing in one sitting it's just it's a lot going on and it it was designed the idea was to make it for two people because we figure you know whoever's listening to your station is probably cool enough that they're not having to eat alone so they probably you can bring <laughs> someone there. <laughs> Yeah, see how it goes. That yeah. is, that's awesome. All right, man. We'll uh, we'll let you know, but we'll probably swing by and see you at some point early next week when I'm in town, and we appreciate it. All right, so it'll be great. Look forward to it. All right, we'll talk soon. All right, brother. All right, man. Yeah, that's. Uh, I like that. That's a good idea. If, if you've got, because I'll be in town. We'll be there next Monday and Tuesday. I got a doctor's appointment Monday that I have no idea how how long that's going to take. But I don't know. Maybe we can uh, grab lunch on Tuesday or something. All right, let's do it. Yeah, because I'd like to get down there and try that. What an interesting story. And they've done so much. Like, they've done all those competitions and all those shows on TV and whatnot. It's always interesting to get, you know, that perspective of people who go through all that versus what is presented to us to actually watch. But I thought that was fun. So let's move into this trip around the block. And before we do that, of course, we'll tell you about Brews Biltong. uh, B-I-L-T-O-N-G. That's Biltong, man. It's like beef jerky. It isn't. It's a South African air-dried meat. And it is fantastic. I eat some uh, pretty much every day. It's a nice, healthy snack. It's high in protein. There's no sugar, no artificial ingredients, nothing like that. And it's it's one of those things that I think people see it and they're like, bruise biltong. Like, biltong? That seems weird. And then you try it and you're like, holy crap, I'm never going to eat beef jerky ever again. Because it's that good. I think. No, I, well, I mean, you think, I think, a whole lot of people think it. Man, and it, you know, the thing is, it's incredible the first time you have it. It's even better the second time, and that's because it's so tender. We just don't think about beef jerky being tender, and this is tender, man. So it's it's got all the stuff that you expect from a jerky, but it's got the tenderness and the flavor that you don't really expect, and that, to me, is what sets it apart in addition to the 30 grams of protein. If you try and do anything with your weight, you know, protein is huge. Well, here's where you get it, man. You take two ounces, 240 calories, 30 grams of protein. Dude, if you do that a couple times a day, most of us are halfway or a third of the way to our daily protein intake if you're trying to add muscle. How about yeah, that? Yeah, and that's just a two-ounce bag. I mean, a two-ounce bag is 240 calories and 30 grams of protein. They have bigger bags, and, and so it's it's a really nice snack. And this is, again, it's, it's a dude who was just doing this for his friends, 
And they liked it so much that he thought, okay, well, I mean, I grew up eating this, so maybe there's something to it. So check them out. It's Brews Biltong, B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, BrewsBiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. That's J-A-M-15. And you'll get 15% off your order every time you order at BrewsBiltong.com. So we will take this trip around the block here and... There's some interesting things. First off, we have to address this because you brought it up. I have seen, there's multiple people that have tweeted. We got an email about it. A couple of you on our Instagram have messaged. I have not seen The Boys Season 3 yet. <laughs> so we cannot comment on it. We will talk about whatever it is. Because one one guy tweeted at us and was like, I, I hope that you guys have the balls to talk about the first 10 minutes of Season 3. And I was like, I'll talk about anything. I mean, I, whatever it happens to be. I just haven't seen it yet, and I'm not going to be able to watch it probably until, I mean, at least a week from now. Right, right, right. I mean, I, that's not an appropriate show at all for my kid. You know, my son Maddox, who's here, and, and he's going to be with us, and then we're driving to Dallas coming up this upcoming weekend, and so then I won't be back here in Birmingham until, God, that, that like right before Father's Day weekend, and, and then maybe at that point we'll have an opportunity to get into season three. I'm definitely going to watch it because I love the boys. It's a great show. No, nah, man, I just saw it this weekend, and it is, it is something to talk about. It's unique and original and just wow that's what you I'm were shocked. saying you were like i've never seen anything <laughs> like that ever at all the creativity was mind-blowing really see and so i like that so i'm very i'm very very curious to see knowing you when when you see it you'll just be like oh my god you'll, you'll start laughing i probably will and I have no idea what it is, and that's what's so wild to me because, I mean, keep in mind, we're talking about a TV show that began, and within the first three minutes of the first episode ever, this dude is kissing his girlfriend, and the next thing you know, he's just holding her, her bloody hands as some dude just ran through her. Uh, this is kind of uh, similar. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I don't know. Like, with me, I expect the boys to be shocking and stunning, and, and, I mean, you talk about pushing some limits here, man. I mean, the boys throughout the course of the first two seasons has done some pretty intense stuff. I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> okay. I'm looking forward to it because I my eyes have seen quite a bit. So we'll see. Also something to look forward to coming out in three weeks on July 1st on Amazon Prime is a new TV series called The Terminal List. And The Terminal List, it's going to star Chris Pratt, who plays the main guy. I just started reading the first book. This is a book of, it's a, it's so far there's been five released in the terminal list and it's about a Navy SEAL whose team is wiped out and this guy smells kind of something fishy, something's wrong and he kind of goes about trying to figure out what happened and where it's coming from and, and why all the guys on his SEAL team were killed and kind of ambushed and sent in to do what they were, what, what happened. And so right. it, it looks pretty cool. The trailer dropped for it, and it kind of inspired me to write to, to read the book. So I've been working my way through that one. But uh, that, you got the gray man coming out. There's a lot of really kick-ass things coming out, man. I I'm excited say, any, about it. Is anybody of note starring in these? Well, yeah, Chris Pratt. You know Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Surely you know him, him, yes? But it didn't register. Okay, yeah. I mean, he was Guardians of the Galaxy. He's been, I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff. He was on Parks and Rec and all that. He's the main star in the Jurassic Park movies now. Taylor Kitsch is in it as well. He was famously from Friday Night Lights. He played Riggins, if you ever saw the TV show Friday Night Lights. 
just a little bit. I was not a big Friday Night's watcher. Okay. Gene, uh, Gene Triplehorn is in it. Constance Wu. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, All right. Patrick Schwarzenegger, who's Arnold Schwarzenegger's son, he's in it. So, yeah, there's a few people, a lot, lot of different names that are in this that'll pop up in it, and it looks pretty good. And Amazon Prime, for the most part, does some good stuff, man. No, okay. No, that, sound, that sounds great to me. I'm looking forward to that. The other thing that I saw here on this trip around the block, and in, uh, this is always interesting to me, but Casey Musgraves, who many of you probably know that name, she's a country singer, singer-songwriter. She's originally from a tiny, I mean, a hole in the wall, not even a one-stop-light town called Golden, Texas, which is right smack dab next to Mineola. It's like in between Mineola and Lindale out there in East Texas. Right. Well, so she's from there, and her, she's kind of got that folksy kind of vibe to her. She's a really good songwriter. She took to Twitter recently because she was on a return flight from Spain on an American Airlines flight and said that she, she described appalling and shockingly hostile behavior from the male chief purser on a recent American Airlines flight. And she said, it's extremely rare for me to come onto a social media platform to complain about something like this. I know there are way bigger things going on in the world, but I don't want anyone else to have my experience, said the employee made her feel unsafe and upset to the point of crying, but did not detail what the employee did. And apparently American Airlines responded and they have said that they've reached out to her to learn what happened and, and address her concerns and all this. And, and it, it got me to thinking, have you ever on a, on a flight had an instance whether it was with another passenger or was it like somebody like that that worked at the airline? Well, yes, I have. Um, fortunately, I only had one in all the years where I was doing a lot of traveling. Um, and I remember it distinctly, bro, because I went to, uh, and maybe I've told you this story before. It was on the way to Minnesota, Cowboys playing the Vikings. I'm not sure which year. And I was sitting in my customary seat, which was, uh, I want to say it was 8 uh, D or whatever. It's the aisle seat. Usually it's the second one from the bulkhead. Oh, you know what? I think I was in the middle seat this time, but it was in the middle. But it was, a, it was, a, it was an early row. And you know what happened is the guy in front of me just took his seat back at 100 miles an hour. Um, which I always think is an asshole move. The seat reclines. It's your right to recline it, uh, but you don't have to try to decapitate my knees in the process. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And so he did that very aggressively, and so I did what any person like myself in that situation <laughs> would do. I, I put my knee in his back and sure. just kept it there and, and started moving it on a regular basis. Okay, so that's fine. And so he turns around. And says something. And I said, well, you brought it back at 100 miles an hour. So I don't think I said F you, but that was the that was the attitude I gave him. And so you know what this dude did, man? It turns out that this guy was like a flight attendant who was off, who was off, like an off-duty flight attendant. Really? Yeah. Like not going to another city, but like. I'm off, and so I'm traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so normally, and my mother worked at the airlines for probably the last 15 years of her life, which is why I know this kind of stuff. 
Um, so what this dude did was he told his buddy, who was a flight attendant, that me was harassing him. Huh. And so the buddy comes back and says, you need to leave him alone, da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, I'm mouthing off to the buddy, to the other flight attendant, like, you know, this dude started it, blah, blah, blah. And then he hits me with, well, if you keep on, we're going to have airport security meet you at the gate when we get there. And I was just like, wow, okay, I see what you're doing. It's a power play, all right. Well, I ain't interested in dealing with airport security. Yeah. And uh, I'm not interested in potentially getting arrested coming off the plane. Because what happened was, I could tell the way he was talking. Dude, he had already embellished the story. And this was going to be, somehow this was going to be an assault of an angry black man on a gay white man. Yeah. Let's just call it what it is. And so uh, I, I kind of backed off and um, I said a couple things to him when we got off the plane. And then I then filed a complaint with American. Uh, I don't really know what happened to the complaint, but uh, it, it was a uh, it was an uncomfortable situation because this flight attendant was literally just making up stuff based on his buddy. Um, and, you know, you can get yourself in a situation where there. Uh, where you wind up in some trouble and it's really not even your fault. Yeah, I mean, because then it's, well, I mean, there's a witness. This guy works for the airline and he's corroborating the story. Exactly, bro. I mean, I could see it coming and I was just like, you know what? There are times to stand and fight and then there are times to take a step back. And this seems to me to be a time to take a step back because I ain't really trying to explain to my boss why I'm in a Minneapolis jail instead of covering the game. Yeah, that's that'd be an interesting one, man. I mean, I've I mean, I, I it is uncomfortable, the seat back thing and all that. And with somebody that has longer legs, I mean, if you're going to do that and my knees in your back, that's your own problem. Yeah. You know, I if mean, you don't if you don't want my knee in your back, then you can put your seat back up. You know, I uh, I pretty much never recline the seat back the whole way. Uh, I'm pretty much keeping it half if I have to go back some. Uh, just for that very reason, like, I wouldn't want anybody to do that to me, so I try to uh, not do that to other people. Yeah, there's, I, I've never been, you know, I mean, other than people, like, jumping the ticket line, like we've talked about and stuff like that, I mean, but w- I've never had a problem with an actual employee of an airline. And I, I've seen, you know, I've seen other people, like, at a, a gate or whatever going off on an airline employee, but I've never been on a flight that had what would be considered an unruly passenger or any of that. I always wondered... When the mask mandates, when we flew, I, I was waiting to get on a flight where somebody would refuse to wear a mask, but it never happened. Bro. Because I would think that'd be interesting. I was like, all right, so you wore it to get through security, and you didn't bitch at them so that you could get through security, and now you want to complain when you already knew the rule when you got on the plane? <laughs> when you bought the ticket, you knew the rule. Like, in situations like that, to me, flight attendants should have, like, a taser or something, and if they were, like, I'm not putting my mask on. Okay, like immediately without hesitation. But <laughs> the problem is you can't do that because then, you know, some, some flight attendants who just tase people for the hell of it and it ruins the whole idea. <laughs> but I've always thought that, man. I mean, there's certain times where it's just like, okay, well, you did this. What do you, like, what did you think might be the outcome of this? Nothing positive. I don't know, man. I mean, we, ugh, what a weird world that we have now lived in. Hell yeah. But, those are just some of those stories there. Quick ones today around the block. 
And that leads us, of course, into Freeway Tire Shop, where I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe you don't have a car there now, Jacques. I don't know. But <laughs> I know JR takes care of all your cars. And, and the point being, when you think Freeway Tire Shop, you think trust. And if you're listening and you've been listening for forever and you've never gone to experience what Freeway Tire Shop can do for you, I would encourage you to do just that. Even something as simple as an oil change, whatever it is, let JR take care of your vehicles because his crew does it the right way. Man, JR is fantastic. Um, unless you know, unless you grew up around cars, unless you know a lot about cars, you basically just turn your car over to the mechanic because you don't know. And uh, that's why I ride with JR. That's why it fixes all my cars. That's why I take them all over there to him. And it's because you can trust him, man. Number one, he will diagnose the issue. I mean, his, his team of employees can do it, but a lot of times you'll find JR with his head in the, in the bowels of your car trying to uh, work with his team to figure out what's wrong with it. Then you can trust him to use quality parts to fix it. You can trust him to charge you a fair freaking price, which a lot of folks don't do. There ain't no need for labor to be a million dollars on a part that costs $2. And then, man, you can trust him to stand behind his work. And to me, that's huge. Um, if you put those four together, there's no reason to go to anywhere else but JR and Freeway Tire to work on your car. And it doesn't matter whether they're putting an engine in a Challenger like they did for me or uh, an inspection on the Porsche. Yeah, I'm name dropping a little bit, man. Uh, tires on the Jag. It doesn't matter. Whatever you ask them to do, they do it at the highest level. It's Freeway Tire Shop, man. Right there just north of downtown Dallas. Go online. You can schedule an appointment. Request a quote at freewaytireshop.com. So a couple little things for you before we wrap things up here today, but more and more is coming out about Deshaun Watson, and this is going to get really, really murky for the NFL, I think. The New York Times today released a exclusive report on everything that they went through. And this has gotten to a point now where you start wondering how this guy is going to return to the NFL anytime soon. Some of the stuff coming out from this is the New York Times reporting found that Deshaun Watson booked appointments with at least 66 different women from the fall of 2019 to the spring of 2021. A few of these additional women now speaking publicly for the first time described experiences that undercut Watson's insistence he was only seeking massage therapy. Dude, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, the interesting thing is none of this has gone to the grand jury, but it doesn't matter because in the court of public opinion, he's just getting his head kicked in. Yep. And, um, dude, you know, as more comes out, you know, will it ever go away? You know, when he takes the field in Cleveland, are they going to boo him? Um, you know, even after he wins because it's it comes across as just such a bad kind of seedy, grimy, dirty thing. Well, and, and it's also now in this New York Times report that he had help from the Houston Texans, including non-disclosures agreement, non-disclosure agreements and making appointments, and that in one particular case, he had somebody with the Texans that basically presented him with a non-disclosure agreement so that he could have the massage therapist sign it after that they had experienced whatever it was that they did. Dude, I'd much rather sign. I'd much rather sue the Texans than Deshaun Watson. Oh yeah, I mean obviously way more money. <laughs> See, that's what's yeah. so interesting because it's already been two grand juries in Texas this year that have declined to charge him criminally. 
But that is not the civil part of this and the lawsuits that may come from this. This is what the New York Times is examining. New York Times examination of records, including depositions and evidence for the civil lawsuits, as well as interviews of some of the women, show that Watson engaged in more questionable behavior than previously known. And if that's the case, and he lied to the NFL, then the NFL might just drop the hammer on this dude. Uh, yeah, dude, I think that's a real possibility. Um, and, you know, they've got, they've got kind of precedence from Trevor Bauer's situation with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've suspended him for 320-some days, which is basically two years. So just imagine how that's going to work. Uh, two years. I mean, and so what happens is once it's out there, and again, who are you going to appeal to if that's the suspension they give you, Matt? Who can you say, oh, no, that can't possibly be right. That's not fair. Let's, let's go to the highest court in the land. No, you'd still be dealing with Roger Goodell. Right. And so whatever he decides, bro, that's what you're going to get. And uh, there's not much you can do about it. And um, I think the reason why he might literally get two is, check this out, man. It's, this is just me surmising. It's because, you know, they set up his contract so it was a million dollars the first year. So if something happened, it wouldn't cost him very much financially. And I could see the NFL going, oh, that's the game you played? Well, we'll give you two years. And then that way we know it hurts you financially. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, this is – I don't know what the NFL is going to do on this. At some point you got to think in the next couple of months they've got to figure something out because the Browns need to know – I mean, Baker Mayfield, that whole situation. I mean, it's just an ugly, ugly situation. And, and, and the fact, it's just, regardless of any of this, it's creepy as hell, man. Because Watson said publicly that he hired about 40 different therapists. The New York Times found that he booked at least 66 different women in just 17 months. After Watson said he only saw 40 different therapists in five seasons. And one woman who did not sue Watson or complain to the police, interviewed by the Times, said that he was persistent in his requests for acts during their massage. It describes a couple of acts that he requested. And the woman says, I specifically had to say, no, I can't do that. And then switched it to, what's it like being famous? What's going on? (laughs) Wow. Yes. and, And it's... 66 women, 24 have sued him, including two who filed suits within the last week. A woman who sued but then withdrew the complaint. Two women who filed criminal complaints but did not sue him. At least 15 therapy, and this is to be fair, at least 15 therapists have issued statements of support for Watson saying that they gave him massages during that period. So this is this is really wild. And, and your guy that we have talked to on, on our radio show before, but... Albert Breer was on somebody's radio show today, and I had seen this on Twitter, and he was basically saying, according to what I had seen retweeted, that the NFL did not know about this 24th woman who has now sued him. Well, that's a problem for him if they think that, and I mean, I don't know, bro. If uh, if they just sued me today, and I've been you know, having these appointments set up with more than 60 women, I don't know that I can say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I should have told you about 24 because I didn't know. Uh, but they might not care about all of that. Yeah, they may not. And, or they may be like, you told us that there's nothing else, like the Browns, for instance. 
I mean, the Browns may be, hey, you told us there was nothing else coming, that we knew everything we needed to know. What the hell is this? Bro. You know, it's, uh, dude, F, you know. When Goodell said protect the shield, and that's that's a lot of what the punishment is, this is like the the poster child for that. I mean, how much bad publicity has he generated for the league? Well, yeah, yeah no ton, doubt. And, and Tons of it. I mean, if you're going to sue Zeke six games for what he did, are, are we, are we, how is this not minimum one year you're suspended? And if that's the case, and it ends up being two years like you're talking about potentially, if, that, if they look at Major League Baseball and they go, we can't let Major League Baseball have more stringent punishment on stuff like this than we do, and it ends up being two seasons, then we're talking there's a three-year gap in this guy's career in the middle of his prime where he's not even playing football. Dude, it could happen. And then, you know, the flip side of that is if that were to happen, you have no idea what kind of player you're getting back, you know? I mean, maybe you're getting a guy who balls out or maybe right. you're getting a guy who who became average because he missed three years in the middle of his prime. We'll see. I mean, obviously there's going to be much more on the way of Deshaun Watson and what the NFL d- decides to do. But, I mean, that New York Times report is... is Damning? damning yes that's a that's a very good way of putting it and i mean they, they've got excerpts from the de- depositions and all kinds of different things i, I don't know it, 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 again two grand juries decided not to pursue this criminally so i don't know what to make of this i i honestly do not know what to make of this but they've got like copies of text messages and stuff like this on here bro it's uh you know um i was trying to figure out i'll you know, I'll piss the audience off and tell you, I'll tell you something off the air <laughs> about this that I heard about this case. But it's, uh, I believe, to be true, but it hasn't been vetted to the journalistic standard where I would just put it out there on a podcast, man. Okay. And, you know, I mean, I, I think some people have heard some of the stuff, like somebody, some radio station played some of the deposition, you know, and, and one of them where he's on the, on the stand and – He's asked, did you even ask her what her experience level was? He goes, no, that wasn't a priority. He goes, you didn't care, did you? He goes, that wasn't a priority. I just wanted a massage. But you didn't care what her skill level was, correct? That wasn't a priority. And he, you didn't care whether she was properly trained. That wasn't my priority. That's, he just kept repeating this. Like when he was asked, did you even check if she was qualified as a massage therapist and whatnot? Yeah, man. I don't know, man. I mean, this is, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of something where... There's this many women coming out and saying this happened, and yet apparently there's not enough evidence for something criminally. Right. It all seems weird. And this is not a who's right, who's not right. It right. just all seems very weird. So I don't know. And, and the NFL is going to dig through this, and we'll see if they decide to rule on this at some point in the near future, perhaps. The other thing that has happened, we now have our second manager in Major League Baseball that has been fired. It happened in the American League West. The Los Angeles Angels are looking for a new manager. They have fired Joe Madden. And Joe Madden, who, of course, uh, did what? Little, I mean, he did the COVID year, which is barely anything. He did all of last year and a chunk of this year. The Angels have lost 12 straight games and are now a couple of games under 500. And I guess they feel that his super laid-back approach to managing just uh, wasn't going to work for them in Los Angeles. 
Yeah, that's that's what it sounds like, bro. Uh, you know, he's he's clearly a really good manager, but when you go from ten games over five hundred to uh, one game under five hundred, these types of things can happen. Um, it just just me, man. It feels like a bit of a panic move from the Angels front office. Uh, I mean, Otani is struggling right now. Yeah, and it has been for most of this losing streak. Uh, if him and Mike Trout aren't going to get it done. There's going to be a lot of sad singing and slow walking off the diamond. Yeah, and they brought in Thor, Noah Syndergaard, and free agency and spent a ton of money on him. And, you know, it, it's it's one of those things, man, when you look at this, this is their payroll this year is the highest it's ever been in the history of their franchise. And when ownership gives you that type of money and starts to spend more money than they ever have and your results are 12 losses in a row and something's not working, right? As we always talk about, you can't fire the players. Nope. You can't, and a lot of the times, change up the players, so you go after the manager, and that's kind of what happens here. And, you know, when you... Los Angeles is trying to get out of the funk they've been in. As many people are probably aware, they are tied for the third longest playoff drought in Major League Baseball behind... I mean, Seattle hadn't been in the playoffs since 2001, which is insane. Wow. And then Philadelphia got fired Joe Girardi. They haven't been in the playoffs since 2011. Well, then Detroit (laughs) and Los Angeles are next. Seven seasons. They last went to the playoffs in 2014. And I think there was a lot of backing. There's a lot of people who picked Los Angeles to compete with Houston in the division this year and who thought that they might have a real shot at at least getting a strong wild card. And so at at some point, you kind of look at that and you say, well, you're not getting it done, dude. And we spent a, a ton of money to make this happen. We're going to see if their interim manager, Phil Nevin, maybe you can turn it around and we're not wasting a year of money here. Dude, I mean, that's what happens at, uh, you know, this is what happens in most professional sports, man. Stress and pressure to win is unbelievable. It is. And, you know, I was thinking about that earlier today. It's wild to think that a team like the Angels that has arguably the greatest modern baseball player on their roster and Mike Trout and then you've got Shohei Otani on, on your roster. And, you know, Mike Trout's only ever played once, three games in the playoffs. They were swept in 2014. And that's the only time a, a guy like Mike Trout has sniffed the playoffs. Wow. Um, it's hard to win, bro. It doesn't matter what the sport is. And it's hard to be consistent. Uh, it doesn't matter what the sport is. Um, and that's the case of this, man. And it takes more than two guys to win. <laughs> yeah, for sure it does. And, and obviously you got to have the pitching, which Otani is a part of that, and Noah Syndergaard is a part of that. And it just ha- And I'm not going to shed a tear for him. I don't care. It's a divisional rival. I'm no Angels fan. True that, true that. But it is wild that there's a guy like a Mike Trout who's out there that plays on a team, and they just, for whatever reason, never do anything. Because they ain't no good, bro. <laughs> no, they're not. And then you kind of wonder, like, Joe Madden, who was always an interesting case. Because remember, he was, like, with the Rays for years and years and ended up when he he had originally been with, God, he was with the, the Anaheim Angels for a long time. And then he ended up finally becoming a manager with the Rays, goes to Chicago and wins the world championship in 2016. And there's kind of that like, oh, he's that show, you know, he can make it happen type guy. But outside of Chicago, I mean, he's... <laughs> he struggled. You know, I mean, really what is... I mean, to be fair, he did a lot with not a lot in Tampa. I mean, that, that's 
because they won the division a couple of times there and they lost the World Series that one year to Philadelphia back in whatever that was, 08. And of course, he was the manager when Texas beat him those two years when they were making their World Series runs. But I don't know. It, it's Joe Madden's one of those guys. Would you want him with the Rangers at 68 years old? Probably not. We've already had Buck Showalt there because I, I don't I'm I don't know if Chris Woodward's the answer in Texas, but I don't know who is. I mean, is there a guy out there that's just a magic answer that comes in and, and does things right? I don't know. Dude, you gotta get better players first. Baseball management is in this day and age. Baseball management's so bizarre. Well, a lot of it it depends on who you are. Like the Texas Rangers manager, to me, wouldn't mean nearly as much because JD and Chris Young are going to be putting their analytics people in there, and you know they're going to be putting the lineup together and the managers just, you know, listen to their moves in a lot of cases. Um, you know, the other thing that the managers got to do is manage the personalities, the yeah. stars, the egos, all that get guys who are struggling to believe in themselves and vice versa. And uh, that's where you can really develop a niche for yourself. Yeah, you can. And, you know, it's kind of like Buck Showalter. Like Buck Showalter's looked at as that dude who, hey, you got a team and they're ready to win and you need him to come in and turn things around, you know, that he comes in there and gets results. And you, but his style can wear out like so super Bro, quick. Bro, ain't nobody trying to do that for a long period of time. No, but it works. I mean, it, it legitimately works. And you look at where he's at and you look at what the Mets are doing now. I mean, the first year with the Mets and they're one of the best teams in baseball. Now, to your point, they went out and got the players. But you're talking, he goes to New York and gets hired, and then he ends up in, in, in Arizona, and they turns them around to win the division. Never really had that success in Texas, but hell, Baltimore won the division when he was there in 2014. Nah, he's a hell of a manager, man. It's weird. But Joe Madden, Angels looking for a coach. Sucks for them. <laughs> yeah, it does. By the way, you know what? That new wild card, the Rangers are just right on the, the cusp. I mean, they're only a couple of games out of that second wild card spot. Yeah, dude. I was excited for a day when they got to 525-25. Then they lost three out of four, and they blew a couple leads in the ninth. And I was like, see, that's what I get. Man, you got you know, you can't just bail on them. Sure I can. They weren't going to be, like, competing with the division this year. But I thought if they could win 75 games as a floor, I'm taking that all day. And, and yeah, they've lost three out of four, and, and now they're playing Cleveland, and then they go to Chicago before they've got Houston. But... You know, it's not like they're going to be okay. I I still think that they can fight for a 75-win season. If they do that, then next year's where it's all at. All right, I'll buy that. And so we'll see you next year then. <laughs> and that, my friends, is another potentially one-day award-winning podcast. Keep telling your friends about us, if you would. Our, our numbers have been up lately. We really appreciate it as you guys spread the word. And by the way, if you if anybody out there knows a local business or, or somebody who'd be interested in working with us, please let us know and, and reach out to us about that as well because we could use that as well as we move forward trying to grow the Jam Session podcast. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me... 
I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.